Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another broadcast of Obstruction to Justice. I'm Ann Moles, and I am just ecstatic. I am happy, 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 happy to be here, happy to have another opportunity to hang out a little bit and talk about some very important and relevant topics of the day. You know what we do here on Obstruction to Justice. We get a chance to talk about relevant topics of the day, including political topics. Yep, political topics, important topics that are just uh, super, super important to the uh, local, local community, as well as the national community. And, of course, uh, my favorite topic, business. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of funny because business ties in to every uh, every issue when it comes to society, doesn't it? I think it does. You know, when you're talking about um, uh, politics, then the politics is is really about who's getting what and who's doing what. Hmm? And so we're talking about business opportunities as well. Business politics that definitely has something to uh, say when it comes to supporting the uh, communities, local and national communities. And you know what I'm finding is that uh, when we're when we're you know talking about the different communities, communities are kind of getting smaller. I think what I'm hearing, uh, and this is something that they're broadcasting even uh, overnight. You're getting BBC news. You're getting that's uh, the British Broadcasting um, Communications BBC. We'll look that up and see what BBC stands for, but. You know, BBC, you hear the different news based on the perspective of that, uh, that broadcast. And, you know, you hear uh, one of the most important uh, teams or countries or, you know, news of relevance of what's going on. I like to kind of monitor what's going on in Africa too. Now that might sound a little uh, weird or strange. Being an, an American, I definitely like to hear the perspective of African communities because, uh, you know, there's Africa is very, very um, important when it comes to economies, what what's happening in Africa, you know, how people are faring in Africa, the governments in Africa. And, you know, it's, it's just important to know that our communities are getting smaller is kind of the point. Yeah. If I didn't say I'm Ann Moles and welcome, welcome again. And you know the drill. What you do is a hey, chime in with your perspective, what you'd like to share there's no real judgment call here in that I, I, I like for it to be as open as possible. 
you know, some people like to play, you know, devil's advocate, the what ifs. Now, that's fine in some forms, but, you know, this is an opportunity for you to share and feel feel free to share, not to, you know, feel condemned in it because part of what goes on in communities is that you you have to talk. You have to discuss what's happening, what's going on. Are you we talked about some um some seven habits of highly effective people. We've shared that a little bit. And one of the perspectives of the book written by Stephen Covey is to seek to understand then to be understood. Now, you know, people's views are way all over the board when it comes to ideals and and perspectives. It really is. But there there has to be or there should be and and I think that what happens is even though the perspectives are all over the board what you can do is agree to disagree, but then find common, common denominators, common interests that support uh, community. That's really where we go with this. So, you know, we if you're wanting to share, try to share how you feel about it. Yeah, you know, I would. It's a safe forum. It's not, uh, we're not judging. We're not slamming. I'm not a shock jock. And, uh, you know, obstruction of justice is just an opportunity to share. And of course, uh, we do talk with different businesses and and get the perspective of, of really what's really happening. Boots on the ground. How How are things really faring? And then going from there. Yeah. So feel free to chime in. Uh, do uh, share what you're needing to share and, and share what it is that is important to you. Not so much, you know, to try to play, you know, the uh, other side, the other card, the what ifs. There's plenty what ifs is the point. <laughs> There's all kinds of what ifs because people have different opinions that go across the board. Okay. Now, what I do want to get started right away, because there is so much to discuss today. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, U.S.-Missouri Senate race 2022. And we've shared with Dr. Gina Ross before. She's been on the broadcast uh, earlier on this year. And uh, we did share a little bit during our last broadcast to share that she's definitely running for the U.S.-Missouri Senate uh, race in 2022. And that's going to get started as far as the campaigning. Uh, it's going to get started here. They've already started with the open forum discussions and and everything. And we have been working with the campaign as well. And that this is just a way to encourage people because one of the discouragements about voting is that it doesn't matter or one of the discouragements of why people don't vote is because they don't think it matters or their candidate, the candidate choices aren't, uh, aren't great, you know. Uh, but this candidate is a little different. This candidate is, she'll share with you, but it seems as though 
Uh, she does speak on the conservative issues, all the issues, progressive issues as well. But uh, based on the conservative side, even though she's running as a Democratic candidate, and I think that uh, what has happened is the mainstream media has brought to uh, associate the Democrats with liberalism. Uh, the thought of just, you know, case Sarah, Sarah and, you know, socialism, liberalism, you know, all of that. Now, liberalism isn't a bad thing. But I believe that the extremity of liberalism is what the problem has been. And Democrat, uh, Democratic voters have been pegged or put into that box of being liberal. And then you have the Republican voters who have been pegged and put into a box uh, to say that they're conservative. So conservative, conservative rights and based on um, really Bible-believing, Bible-thumpers. Uh, they, they do reference the church a lot. Um, the thought about what, is, what does the church say, who's voting. But that can be dangerous as well because why do you have to be either or uh, why do you have to be liberal or conservative? I think that what we've talked about and what I've shared on the broadcast is that, you know, you may vote, tend to vote, you want to vote for the better candidate. And that's something that Missourians will have a chance to do. Uh, the state of Missouri isn't where you have to declare whether you're Republican or Democrat during the voter registration process. So you can wake up and uh, or follow, you may have been a Republican, then you can vote a, a Democrat if your Republican candidate isn't meeting power, up to par, or you can vote Democrat if your Republican candidate or Republican if your Democrat candidate isn't up to par. See, it, it, it you're not pegged. You don't have to vote one certain way because you've registered that way. And that's one thing that I like about the state of Missouri's voter process is that you can choose. Okay. So we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Gina Ross's, uh, share a little bit more about her campaign. We're going to talk a little bit about Bill H.R. 1011. And that uh, bill is really causing some, uh, it's there in the forefront, but more of what's happening is that there are laws that are being put in place. And we'll, we'll share more about that. But the laws that are being put in place and victory laws over anti-abortion right? So we're going to talk about Bill H.R. 1011 to get a better understanding of what this bill is. And really, when we hear these arguments, what's the foundation? What are they really talking about? Get some definitions about it. And then we're going to talk about the origins of woke. Yeah, wokeism has really... They've really taken that word, and and I'm talking about the mainstream media and people who are 
uh, being shock jocks about it. And uh, anyway, we'll get a chance to chat a little bit more about that. And so if you have already thought about the, these, either of these subjects, and you want to chime in, feel free to do so. Feel free to do so. Okay. All right. And uh, big shout out to uh, Reza Singleton. Good evening. And there's uh, another, uh, hmm, it looks a little bit different, like it's uh, Russian. Now, that is not an unusual thing because we broadcast, we live stream to a platform that has gamers on it. And these gamers don't always speak English. And that's kind of where we're going, right? Uh, it seems that our borders are getting bigger and we just want to get a better understanding and share and let those who are uh, on the outside kind of see how we think and and how we uh, hang out. So big shout out to you. Good evening, Arisa Singleton and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Now, if I don't get a chance to say that, I am definitely going to share that. Merry Christmas. It is coming up. Now, this may not seem like a traditional broadcast, but I'm going somewhere with this. I think it's very, very timely to talk about these, these uh, subjects during this time, right? Okay, so let me go ahead and share. I'm going to share uh, the presentation that uh, I have here. So, and for all the podcasters, big shout out to all of the podcasters out there who are on the different platforms. You know, I, I do try to talk through. Uh, that's why I talk a lot. I talk through what we're seeing because podcasters, are, you know, you can't really see what's going on. But one of the advantages is that you can listen and hear what's going on and still, you know, kind of do your thing, right? So yeah, this first slide is just sharing. We're going to talk about uh, Ross for Senate for U.S. Uh, Missouri Senate, H.R. 1011, and the origins of woke. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we've shared the website before, but this is something that, that Dr. Gina Ross says. She says, if you lost your refocus, refocus by redefining your purpose. Yeah. If you lost your refocus, refocus by redefining your purpose. And she has that on her website as well. I think that's the coolest, the coolest uh, saying, right? Because right now, what are we talking about? You know, we're, we're coming up on the election, another uh, senator, senatorial election, uh, and another another time to get a chance to refocus on what's important as Americans, right? And especially as Missouri Americans, because this here is going to really be uh, another catapult because whoever wins this U.S. Missouri election in 2022 has the seat for six years. Yeah. So it's really important to 
to, it's really important to get a chance to put the candidate in to vote and choose your candidate, the candidate that's going to speak best for you, right? So we as Americans, educated Americans, you know, we get a great education or we at least have access to education, let's just say, because there's an argument there that there's a lot of miseducation that goes on in our schools. And we're going to get a chance to talk about that too. Uh, woke math. Oh my God, goodness. What is woke math? All right. Well, another, another little plug there. But here, we, when you refocus, you, you hear you're working every day, you're uh, going to school as students, you're going to be the future as students, young people coming along. Uh, those who are adults, you know, we work every day. Some of us have children. Some of us are, are uh, you know, just have different lifestyles and working. So here, to refocus, we have a focus. What's important to us, whether we acknowledge it or not? What's important? So yeah, cool. Refocus. So get back on what's important to you. And then refocus by redefining your purpose. One of the, the disadvantages about uh, allowing others to think and for you and, and um, give their super, super opinions to where there isn't choice there, where they're not uh, showing facts, they're just shooting from the hip and saying something that's popular or they're being the shock jock. One of the disadvantages is that you uh, don't really focus on trying to define your purpose. What is it that you're wanting to contribute to society? What are you good at? What is it that you want to do? And of course, being um, a trainer, a corporate trainer, an educator, uh, we we think through that and that we offer classes, career management. And that's one of the questions that you really need to look deep into. Uh, what what are you what are you wanting to do? Right. So. That is why it's a, an opportunity here to where we can take a look and get some good definitions and uh, look at what's going on. So refocus by redefining your purpose. Okay, that's good. Okay, and the thing about uh, candidate Dr. Gina Ross, you can go out to her website at www.ross for ussenate.com. And there it has great information about information about what she stands for, right? And we just got a, a blurb right there. A great saying here. Uh, it also has a way for you to donate, a way for you to stay connected. So if you want to receive the newsletter, if you'd like to get involved with the campaign uh, to support, to follow along when she's speaking at various forums, I would suggest that you go out there and sign up to stay connected with Dr. Ross's campaign. And the closer you get, the closer we get as Missourians to voting in that primary, I 
believe that if you listen to what she has to say and her viewpoints on the important issues that is coming along these next six years, you want someone there that's going to have a voice for all people. And that's someone that she, uh, something that she supports and says, she, she's a voice for all people. And that's important. She is running on the Democratic ticket. And like I said, for some of us who are not Democrats, yeah, I let, the, I let it out the bag. I have voted both. I voted Democrat. I voted Republican. Uh, just depends on who the candidate is. And that's a great right and opportunity here in the state of Missouri. So the closer we get to vote in, during the primary, if you follow her and work to get an understanding of what it is that she stands for and share your concerns. That's another thing that you can do. Share your concerns. Uh, ask her the questions. You can send over the questions. Uh, go to the website and select to chat and send over a question that you would have for what is it uh, that's important to you, right? So again, uh, support Dr. Gina Ross. Uh, she is the Democratic, she's the Democratic candidate for the U.S. Missouri Senate, the, and she's running in the 2022 election. You can check her out at www.ross, that's R-O-S-S, for F-O-R-U-S, Senate.com. Yes. Uh, and what a cool lady. Yeah, we're working with that campaign. And that has been a super experience so far. And we're really looking to move forward and move ahead and, uh, you know, just work and do as much as we can to support. Donate. Yeah. So, you know, you want to donate and, and help a candidate that you believe in. Yeah, support by voting and you can vote using your dollars by donating all right and there's a way for you to do that do that out there on the website as well okay now hr 1011 hr 1011 we said we were going to talk about that and hr 1011 is i'm just gonna chat here a little bit it is a the Life at Conception Act. That's what it is. It's the Life at Conception Act. And it's a bill that was introduced in February earlier this year. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing this and I want to go out to that site. Okay, so we'll go out to that site. And let me share this screen. Yeah, it it the bill was um, was uh, given. It was introduced. All right, I think we can see it now. Sure. Okay, it was introduced in February, February eleventh, twenty twenty one, and it was introduced in the House and referred to the subcommittee of the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil, Civil Liberties. It, that was the last action that was done with this bill, and that was done in April of 2021. 
Okay, so what this does, this bill is to implement equal protection under the 14th article of amendment to the Constitution for the right to life of each born and pre-born human person. Mm -hmm. That's what this does. This bill will implement equal protection under the 14th article of amendment to the Constitution for the right to life of each born and pre-born human person. And it's in the House. It is a bill. It's also referred to, we're cited at Life at Conception Act, right to life, and to implement equal protection for the right to life of each born and pre-born human person and pursuant to the duty and authority of the Congress, including Congress power under Article 1, Section 8, and to make necessary and proper laws and Congress power under Section 5 of the 14th Article of Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. The Congress hereby declares the right to life guaranteed by the Constitution is vested in each human being. However, nothing in this act shall be construed to authorize the persecution of any woman for the death of her unborn child. So that makes it clear. And you can go out and look at this bill. It's at the congress.gov site and it's bill and it's in the 117th congress house bill uh, 1011 okay and it gives more right uh person uh human persons the term human person and human being include each and every member of the species homo homo sapiens at all stages of life, including the moment of fertilization, cloning, or other moment at which an individual member of the human species comes into being. Okay, so that is the definition that this bill is giving. Giving human being, human person, it refers to, uh, it includes every member of the species homo sapiens of, at all stages of life including the moment of fertilization and that has been a, kind of the argument for a lot of people people want to get a, an understanding they want to to you know talk about the term well you know at what point does life begin and I was speaking to a young person today, as a matter of fact, and their opinion was that, ask the question, are a glob of cells, are a glob of cells, is that being a human being? Well, according to the bill, they're wanting to include that, okay? Now, here's my take on it. This is my opinion. Uh, if you have a glob of tissue, and this is what they were saying, or you just have a glob, that's a moment of conception, and these cells are building, is that being uh, being human? Now, 
my guess and ask what I asked the question, well, what cells, if you take a test, a DNA sample of what those cells are, and it comes back as human cells, then that's human. You're not going to take a, a, a test of human cells and get, you know, dog cells from it or uh, any other uh, animal cells. It's going to be human being cells at that moment of conception, the cluster that that we all start out as. Okay, so do I support this bill? I certainly do. And that there's many reasons to think through this, right? Number one, life is precious. Life is something that's a gift. Life is something that uh, is a gift from a creator, a creator God. I am a Christian. I say Merry Christmas and it's real. Yeah, I do believe in God. I uh, And if we don't value the life that has been given us, then what is it, right? It becomes cheap and people become disposable no matter where they are in the life cycle. So if you're disposable at the moment of conception and that's still being a human being because those cells say human being, then you can be disposable at whatever age or stage you're in as a human being. You can be disposable as an elderly person. You can be disposable at uh, and not important as a person, you know, maybe able-bodied, but of a, a color or ethnicity that is not popular, right? So it's important because even within the United States Constitution, the 13th and 14th Amendment are very important, right? And that gives us, that gives us protection under the laws, the laws of this great country, this great country of the United States of America. Now, I agree, let's not persecute, prosecute women for that decision. And the law clearly states that that's, there's no intention in that. No one's going to jail. But if you can't, if I am not a human being at conception, then am I a human being? at 30 uh, or maybe society says okay well you know it's time to get rid of the 40 year olds because we want younger people so that we can influence them the way we want to influence them and that's something that's big even in business you know there was a big deal to hire young so that you can groom them into the culture of that company right? So young people are pliable in that. But I think that uh, when we're educating ourselves, then we get to have an opinion. We get to focus on purpose. We get to agree and disagree. But we have to look at the truths. So I do support, I support that. H.R. 1011. Now it hasn't gone any further than that. But what it has done 
is it has been a uh, a way where other laws are in place okay other laws are in place to come to protect human beings at the moment of conception and up to you know 10 weeks uh, there's something that i want to share with you that has been really really going on here with this uh this pill mm. all right let me stop sharing this and i'm gonna go out here remember i talked about the 14th amendment so let me share that i do have some information on that and that 14th amendment here Okay, so that's what HR 1011 is, is wanting to do, okay? It wants to amend, it wants to put in, add this extra clause to outline the importance and to identify what being a human being is and allow for that human being to be a U.S. citizen and therefore protect it under the Constitution, the laws of the land. Okay, the 14th Amendment uh, addresses many aspects of citizenship and the rights of citizens. And I found this out here at law.cornell.edu, uh, Legal Information Institute. Now, this is Cornell University, right? And we're familiar with that uh, big university, college. All right. So the 14th Amendment addresses many aspects of citizenship and the rights of citizens. Uh, the most commonly used and frequently litigated phrase in the amendment is equal protection of the laws, which figures prominently in a wide variety of landmark cases, including Brown versus the Board of Education, which dealt with racial discrimination, Roe versus Wade, which is the reproductive rights, and Bush versus Gore, election recounts, Reed versus Reed, gender discrimination, and University of California versus Blake, Bake, uh, Bakey, racial quotas in education. And there's many more, right? But the 14th Amendment. What it says is that all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state derive, deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So Bill H.R. 1011, if passed, that embryo, that cluster of cells that we hear so much about, the first stage of conception, at conception, being the human being, defining conception as being the first state of being a human being, would include protecting the, the human being, okay? So that's why it's important. That's why it's important.
Okay, so let's go ahead and I'm going to share. Uh, what are we looking at here? So we talked about the H.R. 1011. We talked about the 14th Amendment. Uh, all persons are born of natural in the United States, naturalized in the United States are subject. So it, it gives the protection. We talked about how the 14th Amendment would protect the uh, the the first stage at conception, the glob of cells, however a person wants to describe it, on through. Okay, now here's something that is really interesting. And we've been hearing about the Texas abortion law that has really had a resounding effect on limiting stopping abortions in the state of Texas. I'm going to go ahead and share this screen that I have. Okay. And this is pretty interesting in that not only has it stopped abortions in Texas, but this law, they're concerned, people are concerned that it's spreading to Missouri. Okay. Now, uh, the Texas abortion law known as SB8, that's Sam Boy 8, the highly restrictive law says was spawned has spawned a copycat bill for consideration in Missouri. And of course, what it does, uh, the Supreme Court's ruling on Texas law, abortion rights supporters see no clear path to victory. So abortion rights supporters are upset, you know, I mean, because they want to allow for legal surgical abortions to be performed if that's what the woman wants, okay? And at any stage, and <laughs> really, because you're hearing that, don't we hear that, that uh, they want to limit, okay, well, a woman can have abortion up to 20 weeks or up to whatever, 10 weeks, and, and we're going somewhere with this, right? So, but what this Supreme Court is saying is no abortions, period no surgical abortions. And if you perform a surgical abortion, you're liable for a lawsuit. Okay. So uh, this can be found out here. This article, there's an article at the www.texastribune.org. Okay, and it talks about this uh, abortion, Texas abortion law legal fight is where it's logged. Okay, Texas abortion law spreading to Missouri. Now, NPR, the National Public Radio, which I enjoy listening to, big shout out to National Public Radio, um, has a I uh, had a broadcast actually yesterday. So this was something that was super cool in that it talked a little bit. Now I'm going to play this a little bit of this. Um, and I want to be able to play this so that we can kind of hear what the hoopla is all about. 
um, this, these are supporters uh, of the um, abortion rights and they're pretty upset and they had a forum where they actually had a chance to, to talk on this radio broadcast. So let me go ahead and share that and we'll, uh, we'll listen in a little bit. You know, and like I had mentioned, it is important to, uh, it's up to date. That's the name of the broadcast is called up to date. And the, um, the actual audio, the podcast for this is on the npr.org podcast site. Okay. So I'm going to stop sharing and redo this. I want to make sure that I'm catching that audio part. That's kind of tricky a little bit. So yeah, we got that. And um, you can listen to it out out here in its entirety. I'm just going to play a little bit of it because I want to kind of let you know these are resources. This is information that's out on the internet and I'm sharing with you some a little bit of research that we've done to help us to better understand what these big topics are really talking about. All right. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. The U.S. Supreme Court's decision on a restrictive Texas abortion law has far-reaching implications. The legislation essentially puts private citizens in charge of enforcing the law. Now, everyday folks can simply sue anybody who performs an abortion or aids and abets a procedure. So how does this law open up the opportunity for other states to take similar steps, even in regards to other established laws? And what does it mean for the future of reproductive rights? Joining us now is a pair of UMKC law professors to talk about this. Yvonne Lindgren is here. Yvonne, nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Also, David Ochtenberg. David, welcome back to you. Nice to see you. So for our listeners who may not know the details of this bill, Yvonne, it's known as SB8. What exactly does this thing do? Well, it's a unique restrictive abortion law. And It's unique because it's procedurally designed so that it does not have any state enforcement mechanism. And what's the point of that? The purpose is that um, it's an attempt to evade uh, review by the courts, a pre-enforcement challenge review, uh, so that if the state is um, so traditionally um, restrictive abortion laws are regulated by the state through either criminal or administrative uh, means. And um, when a law comes out that is clearly unconstitutional, as this one is under current Supreme Court precedent, the um, providers who are um, subject to the law can bring a pre-enforcement challenge, meaning they can go into court before it takes effect and say this law is unconstitutional and we need you to stop the state from enforcing it. Why can't they do that now? Well, the problem is one of uh, 
who to sue. So um, what they've done with this law is they've said that any citizen can bring suit. And it specifically says that the state state officials may not bring suit. And so the problem is, who do you bring into court? Who do you sue in a law like this? You know, you can't sue the public at large uh, because uh, of uh, lots of different reasons around, um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, constitutional problems about um, being able to uh, bring someone into court to sue them based on whether it's likely that they're going to bring suit. And couldn't you just wait for the first citizen to file suit and then file uh, an action against that person? Well, there's uh, reasons why it's difficult to take that route. I mean, one problem is that there's sort of, you know, what's been called a -a whack-a-mole problem, you know, that so you are now um, requiring that providers or anyone who aids and abets someone to seek an abortion um, can go into court uh, or can be brought into court and sued. And they um, are... they're essentially subjected to unlimited liability. And so mm-hmm. providers are reluctant to be brought into court because there is so much at stake for them. Um, but there's also issues around, uh, you know, whether that is going to, you know, I mean, that can challenge whether the uh, uh law is unconstitutional. But the Supreme Court has not been willing to uh, stop the law. They have Mm -hmm. left it in effect. Uh Okay, so that's the the gist of the the SB SB eight law that has been passed in the state of Texas, and it shuts down abortions you know, there, you can't get an abortion in Texas and it's holding. There's still a long way to go as far as litigation. You know how the court system does, you know, this is what happens. Okay. Then we'll take this route and take you back to court and we'll do this route. And, you know, so it's just kind of a back and forth volleying of continued litigation until something is, um, you know, decided on or something changes. But here's something that within that, and that was, um, well, that was the National Public Radio that was up to date, Steve Kresge and his guests from December 21st. Okay. Now, I do want to, uh, I do want to talk to, talk about the what this, um, what people have been doing instead. Okay. So from what I understand, 40% of abortions are done without surgical procedures. So 40% of abortions happen with the pill. There's a pill there that is used. And I'm going to share this article that uh, addresses that as well. Uh, And this is something the FDA, and this is uh, the Food and Drug Administration is what the FDA stands for. And this is also an article on NPR.org, nationalpublicradio.org. It says the FDA relaxes controversial 
Restrictions on Access to Abortion Pill by Mail. And this article was published this month as well on the 16th. Now, the Food and Drug Administration has announced it will relax controversial restrictions on heavily regulated medications used to induce abortions, easing access to the drug at a time when abortion rights are being increasingly restricted nationwide. Okay, so this is a drug and it's used for another with another drug. It's in combination. Uh, Pristine and misoprostol, misoprostol. It's uh, it's used in combination to terminate pregnancies up to ten weeks, and is sometimes used to treat women experiencing miscarriages. So, you know, that's kind of from what I gather. That's probably what it was originally used for. You know, because, of course, when a woman experiences the miscarriage, there's some things that need to happen to continue and follow through with what's happening so that uh, the woman is is well, gets well. Okay, now, but this this drug is being used for abortions. Now, I've, you know, heard it called a morning after pill and and everything. and to me, this is just another way of of abortion. And yes, it is. And it says up to 10 weeks. So you can actually take this pill and then with, and you, if you know you're pregnant or you've missed, then and it will work through aborting the the pregnancy, aborting the human being. Right. So this is what happens. Now, the big controversy is, okay, well, can you get this pill by mail? Okay. And you used to have to go in person to get the pill. Well, now because of COVID and um, the lockdowns and everything, then the pill, uh, the Biden administration stepped in this April to uh, once again allow patients to receive the abortion pills by mail. Okay, so here the abortion still continues and without the litigation and, you know, being sued and all of that. So here's a kind of a loophole. And it's, it is a loophole. And from what I understand, it, 40% of women use this option to uh, terminate pregnancies. Okay. Now, what I do want to say is that no laws can, uh, laws are put in place to protect and to really protect and help, right? So what is it about uh, the law, uh, the abortion laws that uh, would allow for a person, a woman to terminate a pregnancy? Uh, This is to me, it's more financial than anything. It's more about money than anything. 
most women, when they find that they're pregnant, if they're in a, a situation where they can afford the child and and they're in a, maybe a healthy marriage and, you know, they treasure the child, right? They treasure the idea of having a child. And once she conceives, she's excited, okay? Now, it's a baby then, and it's also a baby if she loses that pregnancy, that baby, in an accident of some sort, and she goes to court and she sues, and for a million dollars, it's a baby then. But for some reason, it's a double standard because if the woman, you know, if, if it's not a baby, if, um, if you don't want it, right? So there has to be a, a law defining what life is and to, um, to hold the laws accountable because I see where this abortion cheapens life. It cheapens it. So we don't want to put a dollar sign on life. We want to embrace life and those who have means, ways and means and resources are responsible to, to share, right? And to support and to educate to where it becomes uh, a better society and not one-sided. Uh, we're going to get more into, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how Roe versus Wade came into effect and how abortion rights, what made it popular then, okay? What, what was the big deal? You know, why abortions? So, you know, there is a, there's a, some history on that. But, you know, as to say, uh, here, this abortion pill is just another loophole, another way. All right. Now, the last, I'm only going to have time to uh, provide the overview of what we were sharing about the origins of woke. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And this is just featuring an article that uh, I found that is, you know, you, you source it. You source articles. I do. I don't just throw something up, but I source them to make sure that it's relevant and that it's uh, good, reputable. Now, this article is by Benjamin Butterworth. Now he is an editor and reporter out of the UK. So what I what I like to do, we we have our own ideas. We're in house. We're the United States, and you know there's so much going on with us as far as the differences and um, the separation, segregation, uh, the racism and sexism and classism. There's so much going on to where I like to get the perspective of how the rest of the world is seeing this. Of course, they have their issues too. Countries in the rest of the world have their issues too. But uh, this was an interesting article, and this was written this summer. And he writes out of iNews, mm, iNews, and it's on the website, um, uh, iNews.co.uk news. And it's called um, 
What does woke mean? Origins of term and how the meaning has changed. So woke, what he explains here was officially added in the dictionary in 2017, and it means to be awake to sensitive social issues such as racism. Okay, the term woke uh, is at the center of many of the fiercest political and cultural debates at the moment. Some people say being woke is a sign of awareness to social issues. Others whip out the term as an insult. And I want to take that piece right there before I move on to share a little bit more of what the origins of woke came uh, into being. But the term, uh, the insult, right? Social issues, I think that that cultural slang is, to me, is a creative way to communicate, cultural slang. It's a creative way to communicate. I think that um, we can go back to the uh, times of uh, the enslavement of Africans here in America and how the slang and the, the songs and the codes and the words that were said and sung communicated to the culture, to the other Africans, uh, the different things that were going on at the time. So if someone was going to run, then maybe they would sing the song, Sweet Low, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, you know, different terms. And cultural cultural um, terms, it, it makes for a, a community of creativity, but then a community of communicating and understanding what's happening, what's going on, sort of like code. And I think that even age groups have code. It's okay when young people come up with different terms for their uh, for their generation and and how the terms may uh, be in in style, but then another generation comes along and now it's not in style to say it anymore. So it seems to be okay when it's used in that perspective, the different terms, uh, cultural creativity of terms. But when it's used, uh, when African Americans use it, then there seems to be an issue. And that's something that I've noticed. So the insults would come because they're people are putting woke on everything and they're bashing the idea of being woke, hmm? which, yeah, it just simply means to wake up, you know, to wake up. So let's, let me go. I do want to share, and this is um, an image of uh, Benjamin Butterworth and a little part of what, what he's started discussing. Let me go to the actual, there's another site, I believe, where, well, I must have, yeah, I'll let me go here. I want to go here. There's another little the origins of woke. Now, uh, woke, it, in uh, 
the we talked about it being in the urban in the dictionary in 2017 and it means to awake to uh, sensitive social issues such as racism okay so that's what it means to be woke so to be awake awoke awakened to social issues and this is out of the oxford english D dictionary okay that's not a bad thing what's wrong with that so now those who are against people having the same rights and to be able to speak up because of the injustice that they are experiencing uh people who are against that they try to make a joke of it they try to make a joke of the word and that's what kind of gets on my nerves there now what he's sharing in the article is that uh, once upon a time, it simply meant the past particip participle of wake. While that has rapidly changed in recent years, the modern definition of the word isn't that new in the United States. So it's not a new thing. It says in 1962, the New York Times published an article of phrases and words you might hear today in Harlem. So again, that was um, 1962. What words or phrases would you hear in Harlem? All right, a neighborhood in the northern section of the New York of New York City where many African Americans live. That's where Harlem, what where Harlem is, a neighborhood in uh, New York City. The African American novelist William Melvin Kelly wrote the earliest known use of the word under its new definition in an article titled, If You're Woke, You Dig It. Okay. Ten years later, in 1972, a character in the Barry Beckham play, Garvey Lives, says he'll stay woke via the work of Pan-Africanist Marcus Garvey with the line, I've been sleeping all my life. And now that Mr. Garvey then woke me up, I'm going to stay woke. And I'm going to help him wake up other black folk. Okay, so that's in 1972. Now we can even go back a little bit more on this one. Because they've even mentioned woke uh, in songs in the 1930s. There was a phrase uh, was uttered in a recording by Lead Belly, who is a blues singer in the 1930s. Now, Marcus Garvey and them hmm, came about uh, a little before then, a little uh, before then in the 30s. And of course, still in the 30s, it was happening uh, that the movement, the Marcus Garvey movement was popular where this was a back to Africa movement but mainly Marcus Garvey was really trying to wake up the nation of Africans that are were in America and to bring them together to unify African Americans so that they can be socially economically responsible and sustaining and not be victims uh, to move forward and uh, fight against laws that oppressed 
Africans that were in America. Okay, so he had a very huge influence. And this was during a play. Now, the thing about Ebonics, which is a way to um, to speak, and we in African Americans, it's like Creole. It's like even people in the UK. There's the proper proper Queen's English, and then there's probably another language that it's more laxed in pronunciation. It's more colorful and creative. Well. That's that's cool because that that shows uh, the differences of and the communities and the uh, the culture of and the support and how to communicate within the culture. It's it's cool. So why would you try to make a joke about a word and term that wasn't for you anyway? Uh, all those who are against. Uh, speaking up and being a part of the woke movement, that's not for you to even understand. So for you to use it as a joke, for you to use it in anger and as a joke to mock it, uh, to mean oppression and to for it to mean oppression to the sense to where it means... Um, it means uh, liberalism. It means uh, taking over. And then conservatives are at a disadvantage. It means giving up uh, white privilege. Mm, no. It means, are you aware of what's happening to you? Don't be a slave and just live in mundaneness. Live on purpose. Rise up and enlighten your mind with truths and black heritage and community so that your children and grandchildren will have a better life. That's what woke means. So don't be offended. If you're offended, I would suggest you not even use the term. No, don't even use it because it's not for you. It's for African-Americans. It's for people that are aware that there's something that's not right. And we want to wake up and enlighten ourselves with truth and practice those things that will make America hmm, a better place for all Americans. All right, there we go. So that is the beginning. <laughs> that is the introduction. Uh, that's the origin of woke. And we're going to come back uh, and talk a little bit more because I'm out of time. I'm way over time. But we're going to explore what all of this communicating in a negative way and how people are agitating uh, and wanting to start fights as opposed to uh, liberating and educating and sharing so that we can get a, a collective understanding and uh, come up with solutions that are win-win. 
Remember, Stephen Covey says, seek to understand, then to be understood. Uh, there's a lot of fear mongering that goes on when people agitate and say that um, woke is uh, a negative thing. To be woke is negative and, you know, to be feared. And here come the liberals. Here come the people that want to take away our standard of living. Nobody wants to do that. And I will say that our God, and see, this is one of the reasons why you trust in the Lord and not in government. But our God is an awesome God. He's a big God. And he's more than capable of providing for each and every purpose that a person has that he sent here to live life. He's well able to provide for. It's just the greedy people that and the haters and the oppressors that want to steal, kill, and destroy life. All right. That's my my take on it. Okay. So we are done for right now, but I do want you to be encouraged. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I always say, if the Lord says the same, we will see you next time. Justice now.